Welcome back to Third Base Dugout, Season 3, Episode 13. 13, I think it is. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. A lot has happened over the course of the past week compared to the week before where there was basically nothing. We have a whole lot to talk about, so much so that we basically had to delete stuff that was extra. Um, Love how much the show sheet changed from Monday when we started started yeah. to now <laughs> there's just been a lot going on dude like, i mean it's <clears throat> we got some injury news uh one of the best pitchers in baseball from the last couple of years got sent down to the florida complex league um a documentary is coming out about barry bonds uh one of the most prized prospects in major league baseball made his debut and he has not disappointed yet um we've got a chase for 400 Batting 400, which has not been done since Ted Williams, and then uh, a prime trade piece at the deadline uh, that we that we will talk about, and we'll start with that. But before we do, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout and uh, download, follow, and just listen to the podcast. You can pretty much just devote just devote your entire life to us. You know, like no big deal. Like we're not asking for that much. We probably yeah. won't give you anything in return. No, no, it's going to be a completely one-way relationship. Like, arguably, you know, probably one of the most toxic ones you'll ever be in. But you know what? You're going to love every second of it. It's like that. It's like that one person that you love so much, and they just don't know you exist. Yeah, it's like it's like a celebrity crush. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're like your celebrity crush, but just like, except none of us are celebrities. Little- just don't get. Uh, I don't know about that Ferrari, Brian. That is true. Easy. You you've you yeah. drove. That hasn't been pulled up in a while. You have yeah. you have rode in more Ferraris than the average and, American, and been on more yachts. That you have I've not ridden in a Ferrari ever. You and drove it. Sorry. Nor Just, have I been on a yacht. I don't think. You you're such a Ferrari. You're such an humble superstar, man. I like I, I we appreciate you. Look, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break the ice here. Uh, I know you have at least one Corvette in your parking or in your, uh, in your garage right now. Yes, nope. in my, in my townhouse that I am barely living in with a discounted rate on rent. Well, here's the thing: it's you know, it's, it's what you decide. It's what you prioritize to spend your money on. You have enough yeah. money to, to spend it on a Corvette that you own outright. You're not paying any and, car payments on it. You bought it straight up. You know, it's okay. Most celebrities, yeah, and most celebrities get discounts when they don't need them. So I mean, we understand, bro. Like, you have an nil with 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 Ferrari and Corvette. Yeah, whoever makes Corvette, I'm not not a car guy. I think I might just expose myself a little bit there. It's it's Brian. That's why. (laughs) It It would be shareholder. And if you you go through your contact list, you have some A-list people in there that we don't have. So. Uh, well, I mean, he does have us. He I does do have, have us in his contacts. Fairly decent contact list for See? never being in a big time job. I will say, like my contacts, my contact list is pretty fun to go through. Who would you say that your your most famous person in your contact list is? Oh my gosh! Uh, probably Tim Kirchner, I think. Yeah, it's probably probably maybe Dan Schulman. Okay. 
Um, Run well, mine's, mine's, mine's bright here, so. Pretty much. Same here. Same here. <laughs> Six degrees of separation. So, it's, it's sort of like we know every major league player because we know you. And because you know Tim Kirch. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, you have more major league players in your contacts than I do. Don't try to flip this on me. I'm not the superstar here. You are. Hey, hold on. You we get to do the time every next. time we sign in. If, if no. you have his number, when our boy Colin Selby gets up, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have one. one that more. is fair. That is fair. And I'm begging on old Tyler Lockler to make the bigs here in a couple, couple, couple years because that man is – if, if all right, I know this is going to be some severely biased opinions because I played with the guy. But if you haven't bought stock in Tyler Locklear yet, you better because the kid's batting over three hundred with ten plus pumps in single A at his first full season of professional baseball. Just go ahead and buy stock now while it's still affordable because he will be playing in Safeco. Or if you you know Trader Jerry decides to get trigger fingers and trade him. Wherever, whatever big league club is fortunate enough to land his talents, that he will be like big... a very good possibility considering. Oh, hundred percent fourth place right now. For his sake, I hope he gets traded to the Orioles because that would just be cool. That would be fun. But that would be fun. Uh, hey, Mike, we got him to go down a rabbit hole. He did. <laughs> Poor his jam pack does the show. It won't be the such a jam pack show. Uh, uh, Coots. I missed you, Sally. How are you? I missed you more, Mike. <laughs> Good to be back. <laughs> Doing well. Doing well. Uh, slow pitch game on Monday went very well. Um, I did, however, slide again, trying to die for a ball, and now my legs are all torn up again. But it's worth it. It's worth it for the fun. Um, then I also had another softball game Tuesday as a makeup for the last Monday. Um, so back-to-back softball days. It's always fun to be out on the field. Second day didn't go quite as well as the first day, but um, it was fun as always. Dude, I'm hearing rumors that you're in uh, the MVP race. Are these rumors true? <laughs> well, you see, I actually I didn't I didn't start playing at the very beginning of the year, so my I, I don't even know if I'm qualified yet, honestly. Well, you just gotta you just gotta <laughs> schedule more makeup games to get your stats up. Seriously, seriously, we gotta find another team that that needs some some stat boosting. Oh man, um, I I know we talked about trades slightly from Jerry Depoto, who is always in the conversation of trades. Um, one guy this week, which is kind of no surprise, kind of a surprise all at the same time. Um, the Guardians announced that they will likely trade Shane Bieber at the deadline, which. Is coming off of a Cy Young in what, three years ago now, um, in 2020, um, where he was the best pitcher on the planet. Like it's, it started to be appointment television when Shane Bieber pitched in 2020. That was very fun, um, considering I had nothing else to do anyway. But uh, <laughs> we were just busy and, starting starting a podcast at that time. Um, my, my, I would like set an alarm every day for what time the first baseball game came on. It's like, all right, sweet, something to do. Um, so yeah, the KBO, the late night KBO games. Oh, yeah, 
or the early morning KBO games. Yeah, you wake up. Time didn't exist during this time, Brian. We all know it. Think about this: Trevor Bauer was winning Cy Youngs in 2020. (laughs) He's in like Japan minor leagues, I think. That could end up being potentially the two. Like if Shane Bieber. Think of it like like the, and like becomes kind of bad. That that would probably become the worst Cy Young combo in recent memory. It's the the Mickey Mouse effect. I think is getting to both those guys. They've been told for the last what three years now that their their accomplishments on the field were worthless. They didn't mean anything. Could be playing effect. Now I will say when he when he gets traded to the Boston Red Sox here in a couple weeks. And puts puts on the Red Sox uniform and is pitching in Fenway Park. I think that might be the change of scenery that Shane Bieber is going to need to get right. You know, he's going to be in an environment where the fans actually show up to the games and care about his performance. He's going to be around, you know, some some high level guys, and and, and uh, Alex Verdugo. And, and <laughs> I really want Shane Bieber, man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say that's the best that you're going to pull up when you say the Red hey, Sox. Look. You had so many other options. Does he? <laughs> I mean, you at least have Yoshi. Robbie Devers. That's Yoshi. Yeah, no. That's well, fair. Robbie Devers. Like Robbie's, on my, Robbie's on my hot seat right now, right? He he needs to, to figure it out because he has not yeah. been getting the ice cream scoops that he deserves of late. He's, he's, he's doing that thing where he doesn't hit. Um, yeah. Yoshi is looking like a Porsche in a, in a, in a VW bug factory. Like he is <laughs> – like they, the Red Sox are, oh man, they teased us, Coots. They teased us so bad. But you know who really Shane teased Bieber. us was uh, Tristan Cassis so far. Cassis, Cassis. I wouldn't call that a tease. That's more of a, a letdown. But yeah, he's also still old enough that he could hit a growth spurt because he went from 6'4 yeah. to 6'5. But I digress. Shane I'm Bieber really not worried needs about to be him, a Red honestly, Sox. But, all right. Yeah. Because first off, we have the money to pay the guy. And I don't think that we're gonna. We, I don't think that we're gonna be in the Otani sweepstakes. So I, I just don't see them. I just don't. I want him. I want Otani more than I want Shane Bieber. I make that very clear. But I'm you're not gonna clear. get Otani or Shane Bieber. Is that so? You're going to be in the last of your division when Shane Bieber is getting traded. In a division where everybody has a and you're not out of a playoff spot? I I don't think that would result in you buying. I think we should buy, but that's also me being a greedy fan and not sticking to the plan. I do think the Red Sox are (laughs) the world champs in three years. I'm going to keep making that take until it doesn't happen. But... And no, if every, you just keep saying... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you just keep saying in the next three years every time, then we just never run out. You just keep buying yourself a couple more years of... of I, I like where your head's at. I'm just going to keep saying mm-hmm. that. I'm going to take that, mm-hmm. all right? But, yes, <laughs> I do think the Red Sox, as biased of a take as I'm making right here, should make a push for Shane Bieber. We do have we do have the prospects to make an intriguing offer. we got a couple guys we can toss in there at the big league level, make it intriguing. You know, we've got the money to pay the guy. Like, it could be a destination spot for him. It could be a five to six year home for Shane Bieber. We, we, we legitimately could be a great fit. It's a matter of whether or not high and bloom is willing to give up what he's probably going to have to give up to get him, which I hope is not more silly O'Mare, but I got a bad feeling it probably would be. And that would be 
that would be probably the only prospect I wouldn't part ways with if I were in high and bloom shoes. Cause I think that guy's got the chance to be an elite level big leaguer. Is that your pick as to where Shane Bieber's going? Oh, 100%. I can't go off the Red Sox. Fair enough. Coots, what's your pick? As, as much as I enjoy that thought, Shelly, <laughs> um, and I would love for it to happen. Honestly, that it wasn't the first team that came to mind when I saw this. I'm probably going to take Mike's pick. <laughs> A team that would like some pitching. So, Mike, if this was your thought, you, you can go ahead and take the floor by all means. Yep, he'll be in St. Louis. <laughs> like, it just makes sense, you know, from it. And, like, this is not just a biased part of wanting to get one of the better pitchers. But we desperately need pitching in a division that is still winnable. You know, yes, we're in last place or whatnot, but the separation part isn't that far, right? So even if you say nine, ten games right now, within a week with how that division goes, you could be three or four games out, you know, in a, in a good stretch there over ten games. <laughs> um, but it makes sense. And the fact that we do have some extra pieces that will start to – make things intriguing for them and the fact that we have a history of making some, you know, trades with the, uh, the Cleveland team. I was going to call them their old name, but uh, some history there of making some decent trades that I think that that's one that, you know, should be made. And that gives us a frontline guy, you know, that you pair him with a guy like Jack Flaherty, you know, to, to lead us going down the stretch, him, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, you know, that puts us in a pretty good position to make a run in that division. You're forgetting Miles Michaelis. Miles Michaelis, yes. 5280s. I don't know where that nickname came from, but sure, let's go with it incognito style. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love but it. Even, no, <laughs> right. But no, seriously, it, it just makes it makes sense. And this is the type of move that for all intents and purposes, and it's not even just the biasness of it that the Cardinals need to make, right? Like the season's been very disappointing so far. You know, no jokes or funny stuff about it. We have not been very good um, all year. And the one thing that we clamored for over the offseason was getting pitching. Um, we didn't address that, and that's showing its head, you know, now um, that we don't have the pitching that we really need it. So I think that this is a move that you make because a deeper layer and I'll put a bow on it is um, this is the last year of Goldie's deal. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he signs an extension. You know, I don't, I don't foresee him, you know, going anywhere, but when you have guys like Goldschmidt, Arenado, uh, you go out and you get Wilson Contreras, you spend this money in these places. You have to give them also a reason to stay not just banking on tradition, but banking on, you know, the production on the field. And I think that that would be a good fit for, uh, for not Justin. Another incognito reference. Here's the idea to add to the Cardinals piece. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, <laughs> as much as I think Miles Michaelis is due for some regression, I think that the combination of Flaherty, Libertor, the younger guys, or maybe the more less experienced guys, 
will have some positive regression going their way as well. So I think there's going to be some some balancing out needed, which is probably going to benefit the Cardinals, considering the majority is not playing as well as they normally do or we expected. So maybe adding an additional piece to that would be beneficial, obviously. But to the extent of Shane Bieber, I don't think that's I, – I, I, I want it to be what they want to do. Um, because I think they need a jolt of sorts, and I think Bieber would be the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And to further that point home about needing a jolt, I don't think that we're in a position where we can wait until the last day of the deadline to make that deal, right? I think the sooner that you get that you deal put- done – the the better. Granted, Cleveland's probably going to hold out to try to get you know maximize it and get what they you know get the most that they can, and that normally happens on deadline day. But I think that right now needing that jolt and a guy that you're looking at and like, hey, he's going to give us six to seven you know quality innings and give us a chance. You you probably should make that move sooner rather than later. You want to know what's a thing that I think they regret big time we're saying now that they need the jolt um we're seeing the reds get a jolt from bringing up guys and calling up prospects and high highly touted prospects at that mm-hmm. if they just hadn't brought up walker at the beginning of the year have his call up be that sort of jolt or energy around the stadium like that would i think could compare and jolt sizes i volts i agree and then we'll jump off of the uh, cardinal train for a little bit because again we got a lot of stuff and brian is like scratching his chin at us right now uh (laughs) i i think that honestly what hurt and caused that it was like the reverse of the jolt right like when jordan walker started off the year we were playing you know we were playing pretty good got off to a pretty good start he gets sent down you could tell that kind of like sucked the air out of the uh, locker room for a little bit and it never really recovered. So then you bring him up and it wasn't like he was tearing it up at triple a where you're like, okay, we have no choice, but to bring him up. I think they understood the aspect of what it meant for a young guy like him to be there and the energy that he brought and the excitement with every at bat of man, he's going to hit a ball hard. Right. Um, You know, if he makes contact, he's going to hit it hard and the chance to see a 450, 500 foot home run you know, anytime he comes up. So bringing him back up didn't have that immediate jolt. But, you know, I think that, like I said, the reverse of that happened when we sent him back down. So, but yeah, not Justin will be uh, in Cardinal Red pitching for us down the stretch as we complete this miraculous turnaround and come back and finish with a better record than some other teams that we know. I think he is going to go to one of two teams, and I can't make up my mind on either one because both of them have a very compelling case. Um, both of which are in the same division and are division rivals. Um, like, are basically, I say division rivals as in like they're competing for first in their division. Um, I think it's between the Rangers and the Astros. Um, which one will give the higher bid? Um, the Astros are in hell right now because the Rangers will not lose. Um, and I, 
I have seen that the Astros will likely make the move to push for Shane Bieber already. I think they have already announced, like they've already said that they're going to push. Um, and the fact that they're not getting production at the level that they've gotten offensively over the, since like uh, compared to the last couple of years, like Jose Abreu is terrible. Um, you've got Mauricio Dubon at shortstop, um, or excuse me, at second base right now that, or no, where is he at right now? Maybe he just played today. I saw he was in the lineup today or something, but regardless, Pena and Altuve are back. But, I mean, Jordan Alvarez just went down with oblique tightness or whatever tonight. Um, and they're starting guys that, you know, I don't think they anticipated starting at the beginning of the year. Like Corey Jolks. Yeah, Corey Jolks, um, Bielak, um, There was one other guy in there, I, I think. Um, JP France. Alette. Having Aled Miss Diaz start way more frequently than they probably wanted. Yeah, so I think the Astros are kind of in 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 hell right now um, in terms of what the Rangers are doing. Um, and then on the Rangers side of things, you lose the Grom for the season and a lot of next year, uh, if not all of next year, and um, you're in a position where. One, you're not only – well, you're not only in the division lead, but through 55 games, they have I, – I don't remember exactly what the run differential was, but the teams that have that amount of run differential, all of them went on to win the World Series. Um, and so not that they're going to look at that and be like, oh, yeah, we have a really good shot at the World Series now because we have this run differential. No, but I, I think – their bats are the best in baseball. Uh, they've kind of overtaken the race for that. I believe they are. They currently have the best record in baseball. And um, Nathan Avaldi is pitching lights out. Martin Perez is good. Um, and he's probably one of the more consistent pitchers on that staff. Um, the bullpen is going to need help. But um, I don't think they're five starters. Now imagine if they had – now imagine if they had the best pitcher on the planet healthy. Yeah. yeah. Their their yeah, five starters really are not in the world. What? I said, is he really the best pitcher on the planet, though? When he's healthy, he is. That's a big yeah. The that's a, their that's five starters are not World Series caliber. Um John Gray, Andrew Heaney, and Dane Dunning will not get it done in a in a Dane Dunning's actually been pitching you know, he has, but I well. think and John Gray has been pitching great too. Correct. However, John Gray however, going CG after losing the lead in the seventh last night was something you don't see very often. Yeah. Second, uh, second time in the history of baseball that happened where a pitcher went nine innings, 12 punchies, less than four hits and lost the decision. That's, that's insane. James Shields, I think, was the other one. I just saw that on Twitter before we got on here. Didn't, didn't think much of it. Yeah, James Shields, fantastic uh, piece of that Fernando Tatis trade. Yeah, yeah. Never forget about that. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, so I, I can't pick between the Astros and the Rangers, but I think they're going to just basically have a bidding war against each other. Um, I like the Rangers. 
Yeah, the, the, the Rangers, Rangers better just go all in at the deadline. I know they have half a billion dollars tied up in three guys, but like one of which I mean, is they, not even on the baseball field. They've uh, spent maybe, so much money at this point. Like, just yeah, just that's what I'm saying. It. They they, they yeah. might might feel like they have some ground to make up by losing. Uh, get Jerry Jones to help. They'll be fine. Yeah, just what the Texas Mets? <laughs> throw money. At it. Oh god! Just throw money at it. Um. Yeah, so yeah, Shane Bieber will be a very interesting piece to keep an eye on at the deadline. Um, let's try to think of where we should go next. I guess since we were talking about the Rangers, let's talk about DeGrom. Um, we hinted at it. Uh, Jacob DeGrom has to get his second Tommy John surgery of his career, putting him out until at least late 2024. Um, I can't imagine they'll hold him or they'll – send him out to pitch at the end of 2024. But um, I guess whatever the recovery entails, but um, I think I am fully out on the DeGrom Hall of Fame train at this point. He hasn't made, he hasn't had a season of above 16 starts since 2018. Um, I, I think at this point, he is the most dominant pitcher on the planet when he's healthy but he's just not on the field. He's going to fall in the same tier as like Dave Steed. Not because Dave Steed didn't have the resume or the ability, right? Like arguably one of the best pitchers of the 1980s, but he's just going to, he's just going to miss that cut of being a hall of famer. And this is way too early to tell because you never know how the Grom comes back from the surgery and, you know, you play all the hypotheticals you want, but I think he just falls in that tier that tier two of of all time greats because you got the tier one guys who are Hall of Famers or like should be, which I honestly can't think of any off the top of my head. But like Pedro. that, yeah, you got like your Pedro Martinez types, right? And I, Roger Clemens loop loop him in there. He should be a Hall of Famer, but that's that's an argument for another day. And then you've got like your Dave Steves. Uh, your your Kurt Schilling. I don't really want to. I don't really. Yeah, your Kevin Browns. I don't really want to go down that road with Kurt Schilling. But like those kind of guys who have the the numbers that are probably good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, or had the ability level to be in the Hall of Fame, but it, for some reason or another, it didn't. It didn't work out. Like I think that's where we're gonna find Degrom. Like you're gonna be telling you know your kids or your grandkids one day, like yeah, that that guy's the best guy that could have been. Yeah, we're going to go back when DeGrom retires and probably five years down the road after he retires, we're going to be looking back on this and be like, what if he was so he was always hurt rather than he was the most dominant pitcher while healthy. Like so, he was a so. first ballot Hall of Famer if he stayed on the tra- trajectory after 2017. Yeah. Hey, Mike, so, what's your best ability? Availability. <laughs> like, <clears throat> here's the thing, though. I I'm out on it. So even when I make this comment, it's not saying that if I had a vote that he would get it because of all things we discussed. But with this new <laughs> approach or analytic driven, you know, voting that we have from the younger voters now, I still think that he gets in. Definitely not first ballot, but they're gonna look at all those things because. 
Brian, as you said before, wins don't matter. You know, all this other stuff doesn't matter. But yet when we look at the Hall of Fame voting, that's going to be something that's brought up. Like he really could make it and be one of the ones that barely won 100 games. And they're going to look at him because of his string of dominance there, you know, to to say he's a famer. On top of two Cy Youngs, four All-Stars, and the RA title, you know, you see that and – you know, maybe his like ratio numbers and you'd say that's one of the, you know, one of the greats of that time. Right. Now, like I said, without looking at it on paper and actually living it, you know, through it, you know, Mm -hmm. no, he like the, the longevity part of it is not going to match up or even some of those other numbers when you compare them to, you know, Hall of Famers already, it's not going to, look that great but like I said when you look at it on paper and you see two times Cy Young all the accolades that you listed there's going to be you know he probably will make it in like his last year on the ballot with 76 percent of the votes um you know and make it in all right so I pulled up the career war leaderboard to see who was around him just below him Troy Tulowitzki, Matt Holliday, and Ben Zobrist. All three very good, not Hall of Famers. Right. But right above him, Buster Posey. First ballot. Vida, Vida Blue. Hall of Famer. Like Lou Brock. It's like it's he's literally at the threshold. It, this is the same guy that we put in the conversation of Bob Gibson. Just two years ago, this guy had 15 I, I, starts in 2021 and had a 108 ERA. And he didn't start a game after June and finish ninth in the Cy Young voting. Do you know it's, how stupid that is that someone voted for him for the Cy Young while not pitching for three months of the season? It's the sad story of what could have been, at least yeah. at this point. Now he's still got. However long after the surgery, you know, we never know what can happen. I don't want to assume that he's going to come back and it's going to be terrible, but you never know. It's a great yeah. surgery. I, I, I'm Hopefully, we'll have a good experience on my end having the same surgery. How about this? Let's start a competition with Jacob DeGrom. All right? Because I'm going to be getting – I'm getting Tommy John on Tuesday. If I come back and throw a baseball – Give me a number to hit. 90. 92. All right. All right. Let's, I was hoping you'd say like 85. Okay. 90 is so much cooler. Okay. Yeah. Fine. 90. <laughs> if I hit 90 miles an hour before Jacob DeGrom starts a major league game, he's a fraud and is not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> His whole career is it's a sham. Okay. I have I'll give you I'll give you a couple hints on this. Who do you think's the most who's the closest active player to DeGrom on the career war? Closest active? Yes, yes. And it's I'll give you the division. AL East. Oh, pitcher pitching wise? No, no, no. Uh everybody. 
All right, so you gotta you you gotta think relatively older to have forty five war. Garrett Cole. No, and it's not a pitcher. Okay, uh, Aaron Judge. No, mm-hmm. but in terms of hotter, I would cold, say John Carlos Stanton. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. You're yeah. close, Shelly. Very close. Right team, wrong player. Yeah, because you got to think. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton had probably one of the best seasons, probably actually outside of Judges last year from a power standpoint since the McGuire Sosa. Really since Bonds, I guess. That's probably the better one. Um, I mean, that year he had, what, 59 home runs in Miami. Um, It was ridiculous. Um, But no, my my favorite, favorite stat of DeGrom's, and he will forever be known as the guy who never got any run support, is the fact that he won, statistically won, 10 of his 32 starts the year that he pitched a full season to a 1.7 ERA. (laughs) He won 10 of his 32 starts with a 1.7 ERA. It's the reason. You realize how stupid that is? It's, it's Felix Hernandez and Jacob DeGrom are the reason why people are starting to trend in the direction that wins as a pitcher are a useless stat. Those two guys, I will say this. If if Jacob DeGrom's legacy is not that he was one of the most dominant pitchers of the late 2010s, early 2020s, it's that he helped make win-loss decisions useless. Like that at least – he can at least yeah. have that. If he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, because he he proved it, like dude was dominant, couldn't win twenty games. I don't, I don't know. It's so, so many, so many debates that are going to happen with his career. So, question, and like this doesn't have to be a long debate. Just a question out of curiosity for me: Do you think that his being overly cautious approach to pitching, because we've talked about it before? If it's not, you know, if everything doesn't feel 100% that he's not pitching, do you think that that has led to him having more arm injuries as compared to some other players? I think it's just the human body's not able to throw that that hard, that consistently. And especially with how big he is or, I guess, the lack of size that he has, He's probably I, – I don't know the 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 whole biology of all this, so I'm probably speaking a little bit over my weight class here, but he probably is more predisposed to arm injuries with the, you know, lack of, of muscle. And, it you know, no, the human body is not supposed to be able to throw 100 miles an hour, 100 pitches a game, 30 times a year. It's just not, not possible. So I – I asked that, and again, we can make this relatively quick and move on, but I asked that because, you know, it's not often that obviously, you know, TJ is one of those things that it's a little bit more frequent, but very rarely do you find a guy that has to have it twice in some cases, maybe a little bit more recently, but also the fact that he goes through so much of a ramp up and then cool down. And I don't just mean like within a game. I mean, like, you know, he's constantly coming back from something or it's a slower process to get him back on the mound. And then it's full speed ahead, 
okay, something doesn't feel right, so now let me shut it down, and then two weeks later you're trying to wrap back up. I think that that plays a part more into it than if he was doing it more consistently, even on some days where, you know, you're a little tired or, you know, your eyebrows hurt a little bit, that you're still, you know, out there going at it as opposed to, oh, no, my eyelashes twinkled the wrong way, so I'm going to wait, you know, two weeks to throw again <laughs> and then try to throw 100, yeah. you know, with that slider. So that's just I my mean, watching thought. Watching the interview of him talking about what's about to ha- happen was – like you can obviously see how much it means to him to to play and be on the field first team mm-hmm. and you know it could also be just him knowing the weight of you know how much they have invested in himself that yeah. he feel he may feel you know like every time he needs to go on the mound he needs to you know go a hundred percent but not be a hundred percent and like I said, i'm not i'm not picking per se or taking, you know, a low blow at a guy, especially at his, at one of his lowest moments professionally. But like I said, that, you know, even from when he was in New York, you know, I think he'd even quoted or something like, if I'm not hundred percent, I'm not throwing, you know, type of scenario, but mm-hmm. you know, no pitcher, especially once you get into the throws of the season are fully at a hundred percent, except for like opening day. Right. Yeah. Like that's yeah. pretty much the only time like your first start of the year after that, you're always fighting some type of soreness, fatigue or whatnot. But to just no matter no matter even if they say they that they're 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's usually you know, a lot. But yeah, yeah. never. So that never. was that was just my curiosity. Like I said, you know, that that, hey, let's ramp it up. And then you throw for a little bit. And then as soon as something doesn't feel right, like instead of kind of working through some of that stuff, you know, if possible, even if it's muscle soreness. You know, we've all lifted weights at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, it's if like, you're it's sore, like a cap. yeah. Yep. If you're it's sore, setting, the best thing yeah. to do is to kind of get another lift in yeah. to get that soreness out. But that's just my if goal. he if he just keeps stopping when it starts to hurt, the yep. it will never know what to do when it goes past that point. Exactly. Uh, all right, Brian, you can have your show back. <laughs> really quick update. Brian, thoughts. <laughs> really quick update from DeGrom's former team. Um, their pitching staff is hilariously dog shit. Um, in, the last, in this three-game series with Atlanta, the Braves came back uh, from down 4-1 to one in game one of the series, scored four runs in the sixth inning and then another one in the eighth to win that game, while the Mets did not score. Any more runs after the third? In game two, yesterday, they scored. Two, had a good start. They they scored two runs in the bottom of the eighth to take the lead on the Mets and win seven to five. Then today, in hilarious fashion as it was, they touched up Spencer Strider for eight runs uh, across four innings, and. Um, the Mets were up 10 to seven going into the bottom of the eighth inning and Orlando Arcia just hit a uh, game tying home run in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, and this is a Justin Verlander start, by the way, that low Mets to the break, Brian, low Mets to the break. They spend like, I, I'm not going to go down the beaten path of the Mets, uh, because it's just the same conversation every damn year. But, like, they spend so much money to be – like, it's not even dog shit. 
It's hilariously dog shit. Like the fact that they have by far the highest payroll in all of baseball and their owner literally doesn't even care about the taxes. That's how much money they're spending. And they're 30 and 32, 62 games into the season is baffling. Two former Cy Youngs in their pitching staff, and neither one of them are good. It's hilarious. I, like, I feel bad for Mets fans, but it is so funny that like I, I, I watch them so much and they just suck over and over again. It's in, unbelievable. But I digress and move on to a division rival. Um, Luis Arias is on his way. We're still way probably about 20 games less than halfway through the season. Um, and Luis Arias has bumped his average up farther tonight to 403 on the year. Um, that is 70 points higher than the next highest. It was Freddie Freeman. Um, and over his last seven games, or actually, we'll expand the sample size. Over his last 15 games, Luis Arias is batting 458 with a over 1,000 OPS, and he hasn't hit a single home run in any of those games. Do you know how hard it is to have an OPS over 1,000 without a home run? Incredibly difficult. And that's an understatement. He, He's, like, the, the comparisons might get tired after a while, but he truly is Tony Gwynn in modern form. Hit the nail on the head right there. He, he is. doesn't strike out. He hits the ball wherever he wants to. And he's going to get two to three hits a night. You can't do anything about it. He's he's a unicorn in, in the modern game. Yes. And it's there's literally nobody else playing right now like him. Obviously, obviously by the numbers, but, you know, there's a lot that resemble him, but nobody is like him. He has a 947 OPS and he's hit one home run this year. He's dude, that's insane. It's a profile. It's it's a profile that's popular, but he's just like the master sensei of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the kind of guy that, that the analytics nerds and, and the old school baseball guys can shake hands on and be like, yes, this guy is a very good hitter. It does <laughs> like there is no there is no statistic that you can create that would disprove or prove otherwise. The fact that he doesn't hit the ball hard, somebody's going to probably get angry at that. Okay. He has, but he's like of, he has like one of the worst average exit velocities in all of major league. Yeah. But, but, his, but his barrel rate is like 95th percentile or something. Yeah. He, I will never forget last – I think it was – yeah, last year's All-Star game was in L.A., right? Was it last year? Yeah. Uh, he was facing Ryan Helsley in the All-Star game. And – sitting there watching it, and I'm like, this is going to be a fun at-bat because Helsley was giving it everything he had. He was throwing 102, 103 up there and dropping hammers of curveballs and stuff. Well, Arias comes up and, like, watches 103 just off the outside corner for a ball and then fouls one off, like, 102 up at his letters 
and then a ha- hammer of a curveball, basically tunneled from the fastball, just completely spits on it, just like, nah, I ain't hitting that. Gets 103 on the hands, fouls it off. 103 outside, fouls it off. Another curveball, fouls it off. And then just takes 102 at his letters and just rips it in the right field. It's like, you're stupidly good. Yeah, they're playing. The guys like that just play a different game after at, at, at a certain point. Yeah. It's, it's not the same. It's like the Ted Williams, the, te- the Tony Gwynn's. Like, those guys were just playing a slightly yeah, different variation some, of what we, some, it, what we normal people call baseball. Yeah, it's some innate characteristic or something that he has that no you won't acquire uh anywhere without just having it at birth. <laughs> um my like you're you're off. the old head in terms of um analytics and stats and stuff. So <laughs> how happy does it make you that someone that is not hitting home runs is batting 403 and just putting the ball in play? I love it. Like, that's what baseball is about. Like, put the ball in play and see what happens, right? You know, but to consistently be able to do that, obviously, like, yeah, we're talking about it because the 400 is like that, you know, sacred mark or that holy grail in the sense of of baseball hitting. Um, But, you know, just to keep putting the ball in play, shift, no shift, it didn't matter. You know, he's just putting barrel to ball. Um, I wish more guys could or would do it. You know, not trying to say, I'm so sure a lot of guys would love to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. But, Joey like, Gallo's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, well, it stopped, you know, this whole launch angle thing, you know, but I think that it's refreshing to see somebody that just values contact, right? Because that plays, no matter what phase of the game you're in, contact plays. Um, you know, getting a runner over or just, you know, getting a runner in. It plays, starting off a rally, keeping, you know, extending it bats or extending rallies, you know, in innings. It all plays because of contact. So for a guy to do that, you know, just makes the most sense. And, and like, I'm excited to see how close he'll get to four, you know, but it's almost dang near at this point where you might as well go ahead and uh, wrap up his silver slugger and his batting title and just, you know, <laughs> hold it for me to the end of the season. Cause you, uh, you know, who's a team that could use an Arias type? Who's that? The Minnesota Twins. <laughs> I'd say the Tigers, but that's all right. I, I was, yeah, I was trying to see if like you guys could get no it. hit in fourth yeah, grade. Getting so, them back, yeah. Because, yeah, they, they would definitely – they could definitely use him right now. But what, they, they, like, it's guys, just cool to see. We're almost midway through June, and they have a losing record and are winning the AL Central. Who do you think would win That's MVP? your division, Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the Tigers should have run away with this division, but everyone decided to get hurt all at the same time. As soon as we started to play well, Riley Green hit, like, three – it was a 365 in May. He gets hurt, and since – literally since the moment he got hurt, we are batting 121 as a team. Is this this guy for real, Mike? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what we were talking about him. Mike, I will speak to your level with this one, is that hitting is contagious. Guys guys feed off of other guys by hitting. Nice nice spin time. Jeff Albert's hitting style was contagious with the Cardinals. Contagiously bad. Exactly, exactly, but it spread spread to everyone, except for Paul Nobody wanted it, like – Ugh, 
that guy. I was yeah. having such a good night, and then you mentioned that guy's name. And I completely <laughs> ignored it in the text thread. But, yeah, you decided to bring it up again. Like, uh-huh. I thought we were better than this, Brian. Like, I, I wanted to bring it up, to be fair, the Cardinals were better when Jeff Albert was the head coach. That is not true. That is not true. <laughs> the bad man's gone, Mike. He can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. I still have nightmares. <laughs> I still have nightmares. It's like the monkey that's in Chris's closet on Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, he ended up it. being his friend. So is, was Jeff Albert? No, that, that's not going to happen. Albert, gonna Albert's going to come back and save the Cardinals. That is <laughs> he's the end of the story. Our he's, offense he's, is he's already your... better than what he ever had while he, while he was there. <laughs> like, but yeah, hitting is okay. contagious. Let me, let me ask you guys this. Who would win MVP between oh. an Arias 400 on a Marlins team that's competing for a wild card? Maybe, probably in the state of some of the NL NL teams. Anyway, or an Acuna 40-40 wins the division Braves. I will do you one better with that Acuna one. I'll say 30-60. He's on pace for about 35 home runs and 67 stolen bases. Okay, let's do that, 30-60. While also batting 332, by the way. So if it's... The same I want to see how much you guys value the team context. I don't I even that... value the team context enough. All I right. think what Ronald Acuna is doing is so unprecedented. Like, don't get me wrong, Luis Rise is doing something that hasn't been done since the 1940s. I understand that, but we haven't ever seen a 30-60 season ever. It's been a while. He's, I mean, you never know. Like 40 40 is not out of the equation here. Like, no, you can, but A Rod did 40 40. That would, that would almost take it away from me. We have never really? seen a 30 60 season. Never. In the history what of if, baseball, we have never seen a 30 60 season. What if he went 40 60? I, I think baseball would break. And the Braves would probably have the best record in Major League history. Because I think that, it, okay. that would, be, that would well, be what would gets hot with with the home run bat, and they're already got like the third or fourth best record in baseball. What if what if there was an Otani MVP Cy Young? I think that would that would uh that would break baseball. MVP Cy Young, I don't think everything else, think, home run derby. <laughs> I don't think the voters would let that happen. No, they would. I mean, yeah, surely not. It, it's Hollywood. They want a story. Like, what better? Either way, back to your original question so I don't get triggered even more because I was fine. Like, I was calm until Brian mentioned that one guy's name. It's so um, easy. So, yeah. You know, most it people is. who have, have PTSD, you don't try to bring up their traumas that or stuff that would trigger their trauma. <laughs> yeah, As a friend, like, you did you did a no-no. Relax. Right. Yeah, I need to, I need to do at least something because I'm the only one on this podcast that has never seen my team win a World Series. So, hello, I am a walking PTSD when it comes to baseball. You've I've got Armando Galarraga with no happiness on June 4th every single year. Here's the thing. All right, the your crazy part is I was team's about made to just say the name Jim Wolf, Jim Wolf, Jim Wolf, Jim Wolf, Jim Wolf. This is, doesn't work. No, doesn't give you the same feeling that I get when you say Jeff Albert. Oh, okay. That's one game Jim as opposed to an entire an entire season. You know. Yes, it was history that was yanked from Galarraga, but you can get over that one. Can't get over a full 
full year of your life devoted to one man ruining your it was like team. three years. Oh, gosh. Okay, but no, back to your question, Coop. Uh, <laughs> are, you, are you talking about Jim Joyce? Jim Joyce, yes. Jim Joyce, my man. Oh, my God. That gives Jim a little Joyce. more PTSD than Jim Wolf. But... Jim Wolf. Yeah, don't know why I said Jim Wolf, but we'll go with Jim Joyce. Jim Joyce, Jim uh, Joyce, Jim Joyce. Jim Joyce uh, is gracious no. <laughs> about the whole situation. It's just the fact that it happens and continues continues to get played over. <laughs> um, but, Coots, to answer your question, I'm probably, even with the stat line that you threw out for Acuna, I'm still probably going to go Arias. That's what that's what I was thinking. But Brian made a good point. But I was thinking that the 400 was better than the Acuna side, but obviously the team context on the Acuna side was a lot better than the Arias side. So I wanted to see if you'd switch off of the 400 to go to Acuna. No. So, but you're saying that- it's been Acuna the whole time, Brian. I think so. Yeah. Acuna Acuna is, without a doubt in my mind, the best player in the National League right now. I have zero uh, any other player to compare to him right now. What he's doing is ridiculous. He's got 30 stolen bases, and we're not even halfway through June. Fair. But, okay, so I would look at the Arias one more because he's more in control with the 400 season than Acuna is for, even if we're just comparing those two stat lines or those two subjects of. Can I pause for a second? Ozzy Alves just did a three-run walk-off bomb to beat the Mets. Low Mets. Throw it again. It is hilariously bad. Throw it again. Hilariously bad. But, like, Acuna, he's, yes, even if we look at, 30-60, let's just say that's the that's the flat line on it as far as the homers and the stolen bases. To me, Arias would be more impressive hitting 400 because he's in more control of that. Acuna could essentially get intentionally walked. He gets on base and then he can steal a base. So it's like, are you really earning the way to get on base? You know, because they're going to be in some stretches where it's like, hey, we're just not going to pitch to him. So even if he's hitting homers, it's going to be what well, we're going to intentionally walk him. Yes, he still has to steal the bag, but to even get there in the first place, I think that for me, just for how I feel about it, yes, I'm the old guy, which I also love stolen bases, but hitting 400 would be more significant and get you an MVP. I would argue, though, that him getting intentionally walked would be a sign of this guy's so dangerous that we would rather have him just steal second base on an intentional walk than have to pitch to him, and he might hit a homer. Yeah, I think I didn't John Carlin or didn't uh, Aaron Judge get uh, get intentionally walked the other day with the bases empty just to face John Carlos Stanton? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, like I think if, you not that, that if you had told me that five years ago, I would have punched you in the face. John Carlos yeah. Stanton has the same war as Jacob Degrom. <laughs> Bring this yeah, all Hall circle. Hall of very Hall of very good. Hall of very good. But no, I, like I said, that's just where I would kind of – that's the heel that I would go on is um, Arias hitting 400 would beat that. Like I said, just from, again, that standpoint of, you know, getting walked, you know, at different points. Yeah, you can still – you can swipe a bag at that point, you know. But to me, what would mean more would be that 400 because you're in control of that way more than um, the stolen bases. 
That's my piece. That's my piece. I'm devil's I'm advocate. Gonna... You could yeah. probably compare Acuna's ability to steal any time he gets walked to Arise's sheer bat to ball, and then what they do from that mm. is the is the icing on the cake. Um, Which honest, again, in a, yeah, in I would say Arias' value with his bat to ball skills is more than Acuna's value with his stolen base ability. Not like right. If Acuna was even remotely close to Ricky Henderson level, I would say that it's the same. But like okay. because Ricky yeah. Henderson gets on with a walk and it's a triple. Um, yeah. Acuna, yeah. Acuna doesn't have to steal all those bases because he's got like the six yeah. best hitters in baseball right behind him, basically. I mean, Austin Riley's been slumping and he just went four for five with four RBIs tonight in a ding dong. Like, it's shit stupid. Um, Arias has one nobody around him, they suck. Like, the, the, the Marlins kind of suck, but Arias gets on base so much that. They're just happening to win one-run one games over and over and over again. Um, I think Arise value as a pure hitter is about the same. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm going to retract that part there because I, I mean I think Acuna is so well rounded as like with the five tools. I mean he's batting 336. It's not like it's yeah. not like the guy's batting 295. That's true, but I'm laughing at your retraction that you never actually stated in the first place. I know, I know. Well I was I was getting to something like I I, I was retracting the fact that I even started to say something. Yeah. So I was just kind but, of backtracking to uh but yeah. They, I, and Coots, I, I understood where you were going with it. Like, yeah, it's, you know, just as valuable. Um, but I would say that in a normal circumstance, or let's say back a few years, excuse me, I would have completely agreed with you. But even with the rule change. Yeah, no, no, I wasn't saying that that's – I was just giving devil's advocate. I mean, I could – Yeah, no, and I get it. Like, yeah. But like I said, in that moment where you know that the pitcher can only throw over twice and he has to get you on the third one, you know, you have a little bit more of an advantage as a base dealer now. So, um, all things equal, I would I would say again, Arias. But all right, are we ready to move on to the fun? Since we, we got have... more to talk about. Jeez. Oh yeah, have uh, one, two, three, four more topics to talk about. A couple of them are are pretty are pretty quick. Um, and we actually could drop one of them if we wanted to. Um, the Reds brought up their number four pro, which this is absurd to me. The fact that he was number four prospect in their system. Um, Ellie De La Cruz, basically a clone of O'Neill Cruz. Um, ironic that they have the same last name. Um, but like, he's like, so is Daylight his middle name? That's a valid point. All His right. first name is Ellie De La. The same last four letters <laughs> of their last name. Um, <laughs> oh, Mike. Uh, 
back to what I was saying. Um, they're both like six five, six six, and uh, weigh like a buck twenty, soaking wet. Um, but their power and they just kind of almost look the same as they come up to the plate. Uh, guys, a switch hitting more left side of the infield guy. And in his first five at-bats of his major league career, just five at-bats in, he hit the Reds' two hardest hit balls of 2023, the Reds' two fastest sprint speeds of 2023, the Reds' longest home run of 2023, and major league baseball's fastest home to third time of 2023. That was in his first five at-bats at the major league major league level. And then proceeded to have a single and a stolen base today off of Clayton Kershaw. Oh boy. This guy's good and fun. Oh, by the way, the Reds walked off the Dodgers in back-to-back games right after he got called up. So that was incredible. So would you argue that O'Neill Cruz is the prototype for this kind of a player, or Aaron Judge is the prototype for the more you're going to take a guy who Aaron is... Judge is 270 pounds of pure muscle. Yeah, but... Uh, this I'm guy more... literally could run around the shower and not get wet. I'm talking more though, like the 6'7", <laughs> or like the 6'5", plus just like this guy is just such a good athlete. Like we're going to... We're going to find a, a place for him in the big leagues. We're just going to let him just be more physical than everybody else, and it's going yeah. to work out. You think, you think Judge is more the prototype, or you think... O'Neill Cruz is just be, just because they're both infielders and Ellie Taylor Cruz. And obviously these may be just two, I don't want to call them anomaly type prospects. Cause I don't think this is going to be an anomaly. I think this is going to be the guys are going to be scouting for players that, you know, are physical like this. Like, do you think this is going to become a trend or, or do you think this is just sort of, a happy coincidence that both these guys are going to be playing in the same division in Major League Baseball for probably the next 10 years. As I think these guys are about the same, I would say probably the same level in terms of just one body type, two swing type, um, how they play, et cetera. I would compare Ellie De La Cruz and O'Neill Cruz to Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. Um, those two guys are pure power hitters. Aaron Judge is just better um, yeah. all around. And I think overall Ellie De La Cruz is better all around than O'Neill Cruz. Um, O'Neill Cruz probably won't bat 300 like ever in his career. He'll probably be like a 260, 270 hitter, but he'll hit 30 home runs and he'll steal 20 some stolen bases probably. Ellie De La Cruz could be the second man ever to have a 30-60 season. And he could probably do it next year. This guy is so, so good. I watched him hit. And although his uh, single today off of Kershaw was about like 50 miles an hour off the bat, he's basically just a jam shot back up the middle. Um, he hit the ball almost out of Great American Ballpark for his first major league home run. Literally hit it to the last row of the right field stands. 
His first batted ball of his career was 115 miles an hour. I feel like I feel like this is Groundhog's Day right now with with with, with De La Cruz. And then you take the, the Statcast was definitely off on that home run, by the way, because there is no shot getting out of that stadium. It's like only four, four. It was four eighty three. There's no shot. This, this literally feels exactly how when O'Neill Cruz came up, like. His first what like five games he broke all the records for stat yeah. I think I think it's I think it's on I think it's even more than that too because when the Pirates brought O'Neill Cruz up, he wasn't debatably the top prospect overall. Like Ellie is right now in terms of everybody that's graduated this year, he's like in most places, Ellie is number one. Yeah. So I think that is the the cherry on top of the whole thing. But like you guys have both said, Ellie and O'Neill Cruz are eerily similar, but I think Ellie is the judge to Cruz's stand. By the way, uh, his single today said that backwards. the greatest pitcher of our generation um, completed his uh, a career cycle for Ellie De La Cruz. In three games, he has a home run, a triple, a double, and a single. Um, and he just, he just added a stolen base on a slide step from Clayton Kershaw to add on to it. So, the it, fact that he hadn't hit a single yet, it's stupid. I feel like, um, oh, never mind. He's better. Yeah, I won't, I won't poo poo on the parade. I definitely think he's exciting. Um, goes back to something I said at the leave the offset of the season or the onset of the season, that in a few years, didn't think it was going to happen this soon, but within the next year or two, that the National League Central was going to house like three or four of the best shortstop prospects in all of baseball, right? Like Elliot De La Cruz, um, O'Neill Cruz in Pittsburgh, Mason Wynn in St. Louis. Um, if I'm not mistaken – the Cubs have one, if not the Cubs, and I think the Brewers, one of those other teams. They have <clears throat> they have Acuna's brother. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, that's the Rangers. They have – The Brewers have somebody, and yeah. I cannot think of his name right now. Well, it's supposed to be Bryce Terrain. And oh, yeah, he got off to yeah. a very slow start. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you the know, Cubs it's, it's exciting. I don't think anybody's going anywhere there. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's a it's – a, exciting time for baseball though where you start to see these I don't mean this in any disrespect like those genetic freaks that you know are six seven that run that fast throw that hard um hit balls that far you know it definitely um is exciting to see you know and the fact that he's in our division I'm gonna get a good look at him for a long time don't know how excited I am about that part but that's gonna suck I mean, we've yeah, spent yeah. most of this episode talking about genetic freaks. I mean, DeGrom, Arias, Acuna, everybody yeah. we've really talked about is, is a genetic freak. A genetic freak, yeah. You know, but to be Aaron Judge's size, but be Jose Reyes fast or faster than Jose Reyes or faster than Trey Turner type, like that's crazy to think about. Like, no matter how you look at that guy, is amazing. Like De La Cruz and and Cruz, and he's a switch hitter. Yeah, like those those guys are the kind of athletes that you probably grew up with, 
that it didn't really matter what sport you you played with them. They were always somehow just a tick better than you in every aspect. Like the fact that these guys in some point in their life decided they wanted to specialize in baseball. Like from a fan's perspective, we we're lucky to watch guys like this play. Like this is going to be like, even though they're probably going to be torching our teams for the next 10 years or whatever team that they end up on, because let's be honest, both organizations that they're with are going to cheap out and not pay them. <laughs> like, like the just gotta... thing is though, is that the Reds are going to have a while before they have to pay anybody. Yeah. Everyone on that roster is like 20 years old. You got to think Matt McLean just came up and he's batting 340 through like two and a half weeks. Um, Jonathan India is probably going to be the first of them to get paid. Joey Votto is either going to get traded or he's just going to retire. Um, Nick Senzel will probably end up just walking. I don't think they're going to resign him. Um, I think on top been of that, they, got, they have um, uh, what's his name? Noel V. Marte. They have Noel V. Marte and Christian Encarnacion Strand. Christian Encarnacion Strand is batting like 360 in AAA right now with like 13 home runs. Here's the thing. But no, when, all of them play the left side of the infield. But, but, but when have the Reds ever opened up the checkbook outside of for maybe Joey Votto? And they probably underpaid Joey Votto for how good he was in his prime. Like, when have they ever done that? And the Pirates sure as hell haven't done it. Like, they're, they're not going to be able to pay these dudes. So yeah. – these fans, I, I, I think feel the, bad for them. Yeah, I think the bigger test, and like you said, because you kind of hit on it with the fans, I think the bigger test will be how patient they're going to be with these younger guys. Because, you know, even though they're playing well now, nobody's looking at them as a serious contender, you know, right now. So even once you throw those other young guys in the mix, it's like, okay, well, how long can we be patient enough to let them develop before either we ship them off thinking that, hey – if I move uh, Noel V. Marte, what can I get back for him, you know, to try to boost us right now? Or do you let that kind of play out and say we can organically get some pitching or, you know, sign some guys free agency, you know, to help us and still keep our core intact? That's going to be the challenge there. Yeah, I would also like to point out that they also have Hunter Green, who nobody – since Hunter Green came up, no one has thrown more 100-mile-per-hour pitches than – the 20 year old playing for the Cincinnati Reds right now. He's, he's our age, dude. <laughs> is he really 23? 24. I think so. Is he really? Yeah. I really yeah. thought he was than that. So, oh, our first draft class, our, fir- our, our first draft year was 2017. And um, I hate, hate the birthday news, but we didn't get drafted. He went one. <laughs> One, I'm still waiting for the call, but thanks for the heads up. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, somebody had to break it to you at some point. 20, 23. Royce, 23. Royce Lewis went 1-1. One, yeah. one. Green went 1-2. I really feel I'm the same age as Hunter Green. Yeah, it kind of puts a lot of, lot of stuff into perspective. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we kind of suck at our lives. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we, we put it like that. Saying... <laughs> I would argue, yeah, though. We... No, they you don't continue. have a podcast as we do. These guys do. Even though we didn't make it, we didn't have a seven million dollar a year or it's a seven million dollar signing bonus. We have a podcast. No, we actually had to pay to play, play the higher level of baseball. So who's the real winner? <laughs> we had to pay for shoes. 
Not even. We had to go work concerts. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you Hunter Green's never worked. Shout out, shout out to my girl Ariana Grande. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't, don't forget, forget Chris Stapleton was there too. Chris Stapleton, Justin Timberlake was there too. Dave Matthews was there. I, I yeah, but I also oh, remember Stevie Wonder was there. He remember was. the NASCAR. You can see by the way. Oh, I'll never forget that. Shout out to Kyle Bush. That's my yes, guy. The flip side of the good concert <laughs> is the worst experience. Top 10 of my life. Yeah. 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 The only thing that made that day better, uh, Mike, you should have been there to see it. Brian was there firsthand. Uh, I've only been to one NASCAR race and I'm one for one on picking the winner. I can attest. <laughs> he did pick Kyle Bush before the race started. And it was solely, oh, and it was solely because of this. No, for oh my gosh. Say what I'm <laughs> the out. fact that he has the Eminem bag. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I was trying not to give him free pub. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Come on, our, uh, our sponsorships are valuable, all right? Uh, yeah, very. Eminem sponsor. But like Eminem's, if you're listening, like I would really appreciate like a sponsorship of yeah. some kind. Yeah, I'm getting uh, enough money. Last injury news: um, Steven Strasburg's career is in big time jeopardy. Um, he has had thoracic outlet syndrome for a little while now, but uh, after more tests they have realized that the nerve damage uh, may cause him to never pitch again, which is interesting. Um, And his case is very interesting as to what you would call probably potentially the worst contract of all time. Um, And I've seen it multiple places of people calling it that um, because obviously Chris Davis is is up there, um, et cetera. But he did get – uh, I think it was seven years, 265 mil after the 2019 playoffs. And um, so he's making over $30 million a year um, to have made, I, I want to say it's like seven starts. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to defend Strasburg here. So at least the contract. The injury. The contract that, was very warranted. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. He won a World Series MVP, like, basically pitched them he was, to a World Series win, the first in franchise history, by the way. But you look even deeper than that. So the Nationals, in when he was drafted 20, was he drafted 2010? Harper was 11, right? Or tw- 2009. It was one of those two years. Yeah. So, so, so Strasburg was the 1 1, the first of back to back for the Nats. He gets picked, makes it to the big leagues. Like, you know, he bursts on the scene. They win. They have six straight winning seasons. You know, like they they are, are like they are arguably the, the team to beat in the East in that period of time. I don't think like the, the Mets kind of flirted with it a little bit in 15 when they went to the World Series. But like it was the Washington Nationals division to lose. And, and a big part of that was Steven Strasburg, you know, he was the anchor to that rotation, you know, him and, and then when they brought in Max Scherzer, you know, the, they were the two headed monster. Eventually, you know, they, they culminated in a world series and he was a very, very big part of that. Like, like it's one of those weird things in sports where, you know, you, you can look at the numbers and whatnot. Like, you know, he had X, Y, Z stats and he deserves, you know, one, two, three amount of dollars. Right. But there's that weird little – it's like 
you almost like you almost owe him that money because of what he meant to the organization from a fan's perspective. Like he got, you know, people interested in the Nats because at that point in time, the that's, Nats were, that's what I was going to say. Like, like they didn't really have that kind that, of support before Strasburg. He brought, he brought the people. Like he's right. Like, like in terms of like stats and only the time frame of the contract, it looks like it sucks. However, we both just it's, sat it's here. It's a saying, terrible contract. Like in we both, regard. we all just sat here saying that at the time it was warranted. So that's what he was worth in their eyes for what he had already done. So I, like, that's where it's it's, the, it's weird to me out, out because it's just you can't can't anticipate that happening. And like, that's the kiss of death for for pitchers. Like once you get. Once you get the rest of the outlet, it's you're you're climbing up Mount Everest to try to get back on a mound mm-hmm. and be like anywhere close to where you were before. It's not like replacing a ligament or a no. or anything like that. Like it's it's nerve damage basically. Yeah, you're pretty much cooked. Or it's getting pinched over and over and over again, and it's just not ideal. I don't. Uh, yeah, Strasburg has made eight starts uh, since that contract was signed. Um, and it is never a good thing you sign a contract of that length to almost have as many starts as years on the contract at the end of it. Um, or sorry, almost have almost have as many years on the contract as you had starts during that contract. So what's the what's the the APV for that contract? Thirty mil. Uh, you mean AAV? Oh yeah, AAV. Uh. That contract. Let's see. Thirty-five. So, so his start one is roughly one start a year, give or take. Is worth thirty-five million dollars. Yeah, I think some of it. Not is- to mention those starts were horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, they I weren't good. I want to say that some of the money is deferred. It's the Washington Nationals. It's probably all deferred. That's what they do. Shout out to my uh, my good friend Jack Bassey, who would uh, constantly have rants about why the um, who owns the or I guess used to own the team, whatever they whoever they were, constantly deferred money. I think they're still paying Jason Worth. I don't think he's played in like seven eight years. Were the learners uh, owning it at that point? Who owns the Caps? Um. Uh oh my god! Why am I blanking on his name right now? I think it is the learners because whoever owns the caps doesn't own the Nats. No, Ted Leonsis owns the caps. Um, Correct. Yeah, so it is the learners. Ever own the Nationals? He probably should own the Nationals. He should at least be in the mix. If I think the learners are trying to sell, right? Um. The learners, I think, were thinking about it at least. Um, so he's the CEO of Monumental Sports, which basically owns all of the teams that play in Capital One Arena. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, so, no, he will probably not be purchasing the Washington Nationals. It sounds like he's trying to follow in your footsteps, Brian, in terms of wealth. He'd be expanding his uh his revenue source. 
<laughs> but you know, we're poor guys, except for you, Brian. You're you're the rich guy here. Um, Easy. Uh, <laughs> I just I just think it's it's just tough because it's not like Chris Davis because Chris Davis was never at least openly hurt like Strasburg has. So like his was just strictly he sucked. He like, yeah yeah like it, Strasburg is. I mean, this could very well be what happens to the Grom in the sense that the injuries will just plague the back end of his career, and then you're sitting there like, well, what if he was healthy? What would his numbers look like? You know, you play the what-if game, and that's a very dangerous game to play. But it's tough, man, because Strasburg's the man. Like, he was like – we would have been, what, fifth, sixth grade when he came up, right? Like, right around the time we're like, like – that. I remember we were like Scherzer. Yeah, like we were like this, this, this. He came up when, and and we were in the area for it. Like we were old enough to be like fully into this bad boy. Gooch, you were right behind us too. Like, like th- like this was like one of the dudes in in this area. This this area of the United States. Yeah. Yep. Like, like we were. I'm not even a Nats fan, and you guys are too. But we were still tuned into every Scherzer or excuse me, Strasburg start. Mm-hmm. There was there was no way around it. No. And then, you know, he got hurt in his rookie year and it's kind of a foreshadow. Yep. Um, Let's talk about a guy who did not get injured, but just sucks. Um, Blue Jays starting pitcher Alec Manoa in his third season in the big leagues, second full season. A year removed from finishing third in the Cy Young voting, 17th in the MVP voting, fresh off a year where he went 16 and 7 with a 2.24 ERA, has now been demoted to the Florida Complex League from the Toronto Blue Jays um, in a season now where he is. Batting, or excuse me, where he is uh, one and seven with a six thirty six ERA. Uh, yeah. that, that final start against Houston, when a third of an inning giving up six earned runs. Yeah, to say he's been bad is a horrific understatement, especially yep. from you know how good the first few years were with Alec Manoa. Like he was, you know they they. they the Blue Jays have had pieces in the in their rotation, like Gosman, like Ryu, where you're like, all right, like they've got some dudes. But like Manoa was the homegrown talent. Like, whatever happened to Hinjin Ryu? I think he got hurt. Did TJ? I don't know. Probably. I feel like that's a. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. No, but like, 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 like those two guys were, you know. They were they were the 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 big pieces, the big acquisitions. But Manoa was he was the guy that came up like he was the dude that was homegrown, you know, drafted part of that core of guys that came up and were supposed to be the future of the Blue Jays and the ones that you know took Toronto back to being a World Series champion, right? And the biggest thing, the biggest change from this year, or excuse me, from last year to this year, is that pitch clock. And I'm not going to fat shape here because, you know, everyone comes in all shapes and sizes. But Alec Manoa is a big dude. He's a big boy. Yep. And he's had to throw 
more pitches in a shorter amount of time than he's probably ever had to do in his entire baseball career. And I'm going to paraphrase the hell out of this and probably butcher and misinterpret what I'm about to say. But there was a study that I believe Tread conducted that there is a direct correlation between VO2 max and your, you know, your pitch ability, like how good your stuff is, you know, how much control you have, stuff like that. And this is where I'm going to butcher it. I believe the higher your VO2 max is, the better your stuff is in a shorter amount of time because you're able to recover quicker and go, 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 which is what is happening in the pitch clock era, which is a, a very overlooked thing in all of that. That, uh, that the pitch clock is bringing. Like, guys have to be in better physical shape on the mound, which is crazy to think about pro athletes being in better shape because they are supposed to be cream of the crop. But Alec Manoa, he's crushing pizzas, you know, not unlike me right here. You know, <laughs> M&Ms, he's on that that seafood diet, and I'm not I talking think, about fish, you know. <laughs> I think it obviously sounds terrible that he gets demoted to the complex league, but that's apparently where they have this – hugely invested in pitching lab down there um so it's basically it, it sounds like they're just pushing like a hard reset on him where he needs a they're gonna they're gonna fix everything pitching wise and maybe shelly to your point you know shed a few or you know maybe clean up or change habits or just something of that nature just that is more than just his pitches yeah and his his velo is down a good mile an hour from last year, which doesn't sound like much, but his yeah, but his fastball bracket is in the ninety two to ninety four range, and having it go down one is like that's the most impactful, right? Like a ninety nine to a ninety eight mile an hour fastball doesn't typically have as big of an impact on on your stuff plus as going from a ninety three to a ninety two or a ninety two to a ninety one mile an hour drop, but like yeah, I think. I think if anything, they go down there. He goes down there, probably, you know, talks to a mental skills coach, gets his mind right because that's a tough. That's a tough drop off, right? Like you, mentally, like that's that's hard to for anybody to withstand, especially being at, you know, the peak essentially now being in the valley, and especially it, because it's headlined as gets demoted all the way to the like it's like that is is again the cherry on top that's or salt in the wound i guess is a better little phrase to say but if he's a smart man which i think alec manoa is he should just get off of social media go go lebron james in the playoffs zero dark 23 <laughs> no no aaron Rodgers in the offseason type stuff Yo, you go into a dark room and just ignore everybody <laughs> and just do lots of alawaska <laughs> have a vision quest and come back and win a cy young now that would be the story of the year. Oh man. Uh well, let's hope Alec Manoa returns he will. in the same fashion that he was last year. Uh, it's, a, it's a very mental game. Sometimes you just need to take a step back, slow everything down, reset, come back. Um, any final thoughts, guys? I have one this weekend is arguably the second best tournament of the college baseball season. It is the super regional tournament. Um, we were talking about it pre-show. Go Florida Gators. I think they win the natty, but 
it's tough to go against the Virginia Cavaliers, seeing them firsthand. Kyle Teal, Jake Geloff, two of the best hitters I've ever played against. Uh, I hope that they dispose of the Duke Blue Devils because F-U-C-K Duke. I think everybody can agree with that. Um, yeah, college baseball. Watch it. It is as exciting of a brand of baseball as you're ever going to watch. College baseball is rad. Yes, it is. Yeah, not to mention we got a couple uh, – one four seed and – I'd I'd consider Indiana State, you know, not the, a big brand name, so mm-hmm. it should be yeah. a, a drawing a lot of people. Uh, the Fighting Larry yeah. Birds, as they say. Yes, yes. Who did in fact play a game for the baseball team? Did he really? I didn't know that. Yeah, they said on the broadcast that actually I was watching Quick Pitch and they were on that game, or not Quick Pitch, whatever it was, Squeeze Play. That's a um, cool. That's a. I'm gonna give ESPN a lot of credit. It was they're, sweet. I think I watched it. The college baseball the during the tournament, elite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fun fact for Oral Roberts people and followers out there um, who may be following the baseball tournament: uh, six four seeds have ever made the College World Series, and two have gone on to win it. So there is hope. Hey. Now is that a is that a loaded? Four seed where back when they had six team regionals? No. Uh, the two. It's a good question. Yeah. Um, uh, let's. Let's see. Ole Miss wasn't a four seed, right? They were a th- so three. There were. I don't, I don't want to spread the. Uh, Wrong information here. Um, so Fresno State was the last to win the. That would have been two thousand and eight, right? Oh eight. The craziest part about that is their top pitcher and and like MLB prospect got hurt in the conference championship game and did not pitch in that NCAA tournament. Who was said prospect? I do not know. I was told that from uh, my boss who runs a college baseball website. Um, Shout out to the to we the source. Yeah, we were we were talking about this. Uh, Can we start calling one, him the source? Because I feel like Phil the source Stanton <laughs> would actually have some some staying power. Yeah. Because I feel like that like, dude is a walking encyclopedia. If you ever had the chance to meet Phil Stanton. You you're in for a treat. One of the best dudes ever. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, guys, I'm trying to team titles. Um, Fresno State. What's more impressive, the Coastal Run or the Fresno State Run? Oh, Fresno State, absolutely, absolutely, Fresno State. You lose yeah, your people forget that the the starts. Yeah, people forget the coastal team was loaded too with a bunch of like fourth and fifth year guys. Not taking anything away from them, a mid major winning is always insane. But yeah. some mid majors are created differently than others, and that one definitely, definitely was. I don't know why I feel like it was Cal State Fullerton. It probably was. That sounds about right. Maybe it was Rice. 
Um, no, no way Rice was a four seed, right? Oh, no, Rice, <laughs> Rice was the number five overall seed. Um, yeah, if anything, it would have been probably Fullerton. Yeah, it might have been Cal State Fullerton. You gotta think. You gotta think mid major. That would get an at large. That would be a four seed that would win. Because they usually don't put power fives as power. Five, they don't usually put power five schools as four seeds typically. And then usually good mid majors that win aren't four seeds. They're usually three, sometimes two. That win their conference tournament, that is. And yeah. then the mid-majors that sneak in with an at-large are usually the four. And the, you know, the ones that win the, the crappy conferences like the like the NEC or the MAC or the MEAC. <laughs> or the – I'm not saying the other conferences. I'm like, I could try to get myself in trouble here. Like the CAA, you know, the bad ones. Yeah. Well, I can't, I can't exactly good. find who the um, who the other who the second to last four seed was, but it happened twice in the two thousands. I'm gonna say Fullerton. Let's go. Uh, they were actually a two seed in that one. What about Long Beach State? Um, don't believe so. I don't know. I'll find out for y'all, and I will. Uh, the dirt bags. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will text you, but because I'm I'm very curious, and I might have to text Phil to find out. But this podcast has gone entirely too long. Um, any other final thoughts before I head up, or before we head up? Um, because Mike left, clear eyes, full hearts. Everybody losing all four, all three of our teams suck. The Red Sox bleep and blow. LL Mets. Lol Mets. Lol Mets, Mets for the break, Mets. baby. Duval can do something cool. Yeah. I need him. I need I need to have Duval <laughs> in my life. <laughs> all right. We will see you next week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout and uh, subscribe to wherever you listen to us on that podcast channel. So We'll see you next week.